Bobby not much dude it's been a while it's been a while since we recorded and it's been even longer since we did one of these bi-coastal episodes we've been uh we've been putting out content pretty consistently over the last month but we haven't really gotten behind the microphone for a few weeks now yeah it's a weird feeling content that we've been able to do yeah so what's up how's your Christmas how's your new year what'd you do it's uh it's been really good you know I'm out here in California and the weather's been weird. I know that there's like a blizzard that's about to hit the East Coast. Yeah, I feel no sorrow for you at all. <laughs> I know. The weather's been up and down because yeah. it's like, the it it's so cold here that the battery in the, my car died. <laughs> <laughs> it literally just killed the battery in the car. We had to get a new one. Yeah, you have to worry about like pipes freezing out there and stuff. I don't even know what that is. Two for two, yeah. The pipe that takes water out of my basement froze, and we had to bring up buckets of water for like hours two nights ago. Good. So yeah, two for two. Are you enjoying the West Coast? Because I hate you. Yep. <laughs> I'm uh I'm reading The Arm by uh, by Jeff Passan Passan. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, Passan. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm reading his book. It's really good. I'm about two thirds of the way through. I realized that the only books that I read in 2017 were like baseball books and like one basketball book and books for school and stuff. But so now at the beginning of 2018, I'm trying to read things that are not baseball related so that I can be a well-rounded person. That's good. I'm just leaning into it. I'm like, you know what? This is the only (laughs) thing I will ever know. So that's fair. Yeah. I am reading the book. Men explain things to me right now. And then I'm about Um, to read. Yeah. I'm about to read evicted and I will then loan you both of those books so that we can continue on the path to be the same person. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so baseball. Yeah, baseball has kind of happened. In a way. There's a been bit. some news, some lukewarm hot stove stuff. Yeah, not really interesting stuff. Manny Machado has been on the trade block like six different times since we last recorded. Yes, he has. I feel terrible for Orioles fans. Yeah, seriously. I can't imagine if like in the middle of my Mets fandom, just like David Wright was on the trading block three different times the year before his contract was up. Oh my God, so sad. That would have been unbearable for me. Yeah. But speaking of cornerstone third baseman for teams that are on the trading block, Evan Longoria. He's now a giant. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about this? Drive-by reaction. Uh... Sounds good to me, I guess. Um, I'm not a Giants fan, so I don't feel too strongly about it. It feels like it makes sense for them. Uh, I like Evan Longoria, personally. I think he's a fun guy to watch, I guess. He was a fun guy to watch like six years ago, certainly. Yeah, I was about to say, like 2009 me would have cared so much about this move. And now... (laughs) 2018 i can say that now 2018 means it'll be weird to see him in a uniform that's not the rays it's been weird to see him playing for a manager that's not joe madden for like how <laughs> since however long joe madden got fired from there yeah but seriously i don't think it's gonna make too much of a difference I, I think the giants are really they're just kind of putting it off you know what i mean like they are staring down a pretty pretty big rebuild and evan longoria is not necessarily the answer to that yeah, although what I will say is that it feels like while they're staring down a rebuild, they also are kind of having their window closed, right? Because they have absolutely no farm system, especially after this trade. So it feels like this is their short-term answer to third base at least, and then their hope is that they can go get a center fielder and at least make one more run before guys like Posey and Bumgarner kind of age out. So yeah. it feels like the, their kind of last gasp. And I don't know, they may they may make a wild card run this year. I don't really know. It's not terribly different from the situation that the Royals were in last year, right? It's like, you know the window's closing. You know you had a lot of success in that window. So it's not the end of the world if you don't figure it out and compete in 2018. I think Giants fans, you know, as rabid as they are to compete in even years, I think they will be okay with the fact that this team 
dips under 500 again but they were really bad last year they almost lost 100 games yeah and i think part of that was due to maybe some bad luck also the fact that their starting rotation was a uh, pretty god-awful so i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if they scrape 500 i think that's where they're projected right now actually so we'll see we'll see if they sign lorenzo kane does that change for you <laughs> um probably yeah. in, like we're we're royals west royals further west <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah probably i don't i think they literally don't have an outfield right now um yeah, i think I they think... could take open auditions from fans <laughs> even defensively just having lorenzo kane and he's a pretty plus hitter still even though he's not at his peak anymore i think even defensively out there in San Francisco, it's a pretty big, weird outfield to play. I think him in center field would be a big deal for them. Yeah, better than... I'm not even going to pretend to know who's currently slotted in to play center field for them. Jared yeah. Parker, maybe? Is he still on the team? I don't know. I don't know. The only, literally <laughs> the only outfielder that I can name on their team is Angel Pagan. <laughs> is he even still on the team? Probably I not. I don't even know. Hunter Pence is still there. So there's one. All gentrification team right fielder. Yeah, true. The only <laughs> position players. Yes. Yeah. He still on the team. We are looking up Angel Pagan. It it looks like it. Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's good. I don't know. He's making like him. twelve. He's making like twelve million. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So the Giants probably have some money still. To so they tried to trade for Stanton, which would yeah. lead you to believe that they could pay thirty million more dollars that they would have picked up by getting him. Well, and that, so, and that was the rationale behind this trade, I think, is that they got rid of Rajay Davis too. So they basically offset their costs. They don't go above the luxury tax, and they they now have a third baseman without really spending anything. So now they have the freedom to go and maybe go after a free agent that they wouldn't have been able to if they signed, like, I don't know, Todd Frazier or something like that. Yeah, uh, I wonder where Todd Frazier's going to end up. I guess it sort of depends what the Yankees do. I could see them bringing him back on a yeah. short yeah like a front-end money contract yeah that might make sense do you know where else it would make sense the other new york team the other new york team yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was gonna say but guess what they won't do it (laughs) well because david wright's still coming back oh that's good news i haven't read that anywhere (laughs) (laughs) oh sad did you see uh that conforto twitter video where of he's the, like throwing the ball. Yeah. yeah. It's it's already been memed so many times. By I know. I, I, saw, I saw the good fundies uh, like yeah. photo of it or whatever. Yeah, he photoshopped another one in this morning that said sell the team. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, ah, honestly, excellent work here. Yeah. Respect. All right. In other uh I guess news, as much as it really kind of came out of nowhere. But Wade Davis is on the Rockies now. Yeah, he is. I, I like how we came into this being like, you know, there hasn't been really any off-season news. And now we're like, but we're going to talk legitimately about the off-season and the moves. It's fun because you know what the smart thing to do is when you're the Rockies is to spend all your money on pitching, even though good pitchers can't even be good there. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, do I you have know. thoughts about this other than the fact that just like everyone has said that Wade Davis is on the decline? I mean, he's on the decline, but like... He's still good, right? So he was like amazing and now he's pretty good. So I mean it's kinda of, it is a weird move because like do you really want to give this much money to a reliever? To a ton of relievers. I think they have the most expensive bullpen now, right? Yeah, so I think like one of the most expensive bullpens ever, if not the most. Yeah. It feels like kind of treading water at this point that they're just trying to bolster their bullpen it's like the reactionary move to all the bullpen stuff that we've just kind of seen culminate over the last few months through the playoffs but i mean i also like the idea of having a strong bullpen for any team i don't hate this as much as people have sort of made it out to be such a stupid move yeah i think like wade davis for an inning is still really good yeah right (laughs) he was obviously you know, worked too hard by Joe Madden last year, but that's because Joe Madden is used to having uh, Araldis Chapman to throw for two innings at a time, and he had yeah. basically nothing with the fact that, like, you know, the rest of his bullpen melted down last year. So having Wade Davis is not a bad thing. I would take him on the Mets, probably not for this cost, but yeah, I would take him. He's better than 
our favorite Mets reliever to make fun of, Josh Smoker. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to some of our old episodes, and we really do go in on him for like no reason. Yeah, he's just like fill in blank name here, but he's a real person. Yeah, like tick below average reliever that like fits perfectly as a middle of the bullpen Mets guy. Eats up innings, throws like 98, but somehow it's straight and right down the middle. And he's <laughs> left-handed and like he should be good. Yep. Sort of reminds me, and he's kind of undersized. He sort of reminds me of a former Mets reliever who is up for the Hall of Fame and many people feel should make the Hall of Fame. But we're not going to talk about that. We are going to talk about his Twitter, and that is Billy Wagner. Yes. So if you don't know, if you don't, if you're not one of the eighteen thousand people following Billy Wagner on Twitter, which which you you can't even at this point because his Twitter is private, which is strange, strange thing reason. to do. Because if eighteen thousand people follow you, you're not hiding your tweets from anyone. <laughs> his Twitter handle is at Wags K thirteen. W-J-S underscore E. <laughs> really? You couldn't just get WAGS K-13? Someone had WAGS K-13, so you had to add W-J-S underscore E? What do you think that, that means? The demand is high for that. Yeah, let's do a little um, anthropological analysis on the Billy Wagner Twitter handle. Okay, so I think, I think WAGS K-13 is pretty obvious. Yeah, that makes sense. WAGS is... Probably his last name. And I guarantee you what he was called by every coach he ever had, because that's yep. what I was called by every coach I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why it is also your Twitter handle. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. K. Yeah. That's, you know, in baseball, it's strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, 13 was his number. Yes. His number on, on on every single team, too, which is kind of nice. Now's where it gets to the fun part. WJS underscore E. Let's take it letter by letter. <laughs> WJS. What do you think? <laughs> Um, maybe he's reprising Wagner. Maybe it's his first name. His first name is, is William. So, uh, okay. That's, there's a thought. Useful knowledge. Okay. My theory. Yes. What Jesus says. Oh, what Jesus says. (laughs) Like what would Jesus do? It's more like what Jesus says. That makes sense underscore I, I i don't know i'm trying to see if he has like if it's like named after his parents or kids or something i i really don't know you hypothesized that um that if it was wsj maybe it's he's trying to hit up the wall street journal <laughs> but i feel like that's he really that's all this time he just it. wanted to be a sports writer <laughs> <laughs> which i don't know why you would want to do that he is really religious, so that's why that's why I hypothesize the what Jesus says. I like I like that one. Underscore E, something E from the Bible, Episcopal. There you go. Yeah. Um Ecclesiastes, is that a thing? Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Okay. I just I have so many questions. <laughs> why is it private? I don't know. He's verified and his Twitter picture is him wearing loose like Brett Favre style wrangler jeans and <laughs> it's a really nice photo actually uh, <laughs> a like nike dry fit that's kind of baggy and red and a cowboy hat and he's standing in a field looking off into the distance yeah, this dude is a legend it sounds about right happily married for 23 years father of four struggling christian see that said that oh, he's what, jesus says. what jesus says mlb pitcher for 15 years High school baseball coach at the, all caps, Miller School. The Miller School. I'm going to request to follow him right now. <laughs> Do it. Maybe he I wonder if he follows back, if he follows that many people. It's like you only have to hit the button one more time to follow back. That's true. <laughs> all right, this is <laughs> stupid. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, I think we have um, another story that transpired or at least came to light while we were on our short break. And this one involves another former member of the Mets. But this one is uh, weird, I suppose you could say. Yes. Uh, there, was a, there was a TMZ story that came out. Please just and, read the headline. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to read the headline here. Daryl Strawberry on sex addiction, colon, I used to bang between innings. <laughs> what? 
What? That's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know whether to be impressed, troubled, confused. How does that even happen? Did the cameras just not notice that he was just not in the dugout? I have no idea. This takes so rolling the lineup over to a whole new level. Uh, boo. I guess this was, it was an interview on Dr. Oz where he was like, I would, he goes, it was pretty crazy. I would go between innings and stuff like that and run back and have a little party going on. Oh my God. Dr. Oz has, he's been on the come up, dude. He used to just do doctor stuff on TV and now he's getting. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl Like He used to literally, okay, Dr. Oz. I know all this because my grandmother was a huge Dr. Oz fan and so much so that she convinced my mom to like go to a live recording. So Dr. Oz used to just like do actual medical stuff on TV. And I think he started on Oprah probably. Everyone starts on Oprah. That's where Dr. Phil started too. And he like performs surgery on the six days a week that he doesn't record or something like that, which is insane. Does this man ever sleep? He doesn't yeah, look what? like he sleeps. I didn't even know he did real doctor stuff. I thought that was just kind of a TV thing. No, he's a real doctor, apparently, unless he's just feeding lies to the members of the audience, which, you know, the truth isn't real anymore. But yeah, it feels like that's a plausible explanation. But the whole uh, story on TMZ is like four, five paragraphs long. They're all like one sentence. This is just this is just kind of strange. Still making headlines like 30 years after he's done playing baseball or whatever. Daryl Strawberry says his sex addiction was so bad during his MLB days. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> he would take chicks into the clubhouse and nail them between innings. Is this real journalism? Can we write this? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I just want to point out TMZ has the like weirdest punctuation and ways they write sentences. Like they just wrote a pause into the sentence. Yeah. And in the quote, two paragraphs later, it's like, it was pretty crazy. Strawberry says, dot, dot, dot. I would go between. That's not how you formulate a sentence. This is, this is like how a 70-year-old man sends emails. This is not like what a <laughs> news outlet does. Quote, unquote, just, news outlet. Listen, okay. Shut on them all you want, but they get everything. Every single thing. And yeah. I don't know. They throw out all morality on the way to do it, but they don't miss a single story. They break uh, everything that... Basically everything that Twitter freaks out about. Yeah, pretty much. Sadly. Oh, well. Sad that it's we come should, to this. Yeah, we should be attributing TMZ Sports with every single story that we talk about, pretty much. Honestly, probably, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <did> you see? <laughs> it's like Old Takes Exposed was sharing the other day. Dan Dockich from ESPN basically just quotes every single story that he sees on Twitter and is like, I had this first on my show two days ago. His, his whole Twitter is just him quoting things, being like, guess you're not going to attribute this. And and his fans will like respond and be like, you owe Dan an apology. And he'll be like, I don't want an apology. I just want attribution. That's what oh good God. journalists are supposed to do. All right, bro. All right. Yeah, bro. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you broke literally every single story of 2017. Congratulations. Yeah, chill. God. Okay. Honestly, we we need to get to that level. We need to start breaking news. (laughs) On the podcast. (laughs) Get our own sources. (laughs) Listen, we could do it. I think we could. It can't be that hard. You know, Billy Wagner could be our first guy. If he follows you back. Updates to come. If he follows me back in the middle of this podcast, I'm DMing him. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And just asking him what, why, why is your Twitter handle like is the way it is. You know, that's real journalism right there. That is how journalism is done in 2017. I will make sure that people attribute that source to me, though. I had that two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) We'll write a whole article about it. So over our break, there were a couple troubling stories that came out of Major League Baseball, one involving some more behind-the-scenes stuff and one that was pretty prominent um, involving a player and both surrounding um, allegations of sexual misconduct. And so one of them was about Bob Bowman, who led MLB Advanced Media for like more than a decade and a half. And he, it was announced that he was stepping down in October, 
And then there was a Wall Street Journal report that came out just a couple weeks ago that he was actually forced out because of a lot of troubling workplace behavior that involved misconduct towards female employees and some really just weird workplace stuff that was going on with like parties that was happening and really strange stuff and just this whole culture that he cultivated. And, and then the other thing that's worth mentioning is that the Minnesota Twins third baseman, Miguel Sano, was accused, I think last week, by a team photographer of sexual assault. So these are both things that raise really troubling questions and that I know we wanted to at least address and talk about a little bit on this podcast about what this means in terms of how the MLB addresses this sort of thing and and what that culture is like. And it comes on the heels of a lot of the Me Too stuff that has been coming out in across all the the corners of culture just over the last couple months. So yeah, I don't know. Do you have any um, kind of takeaways from this or, or things that you think are worth pointing out about this? The the Wall Street Journal report was really, really wild. Yeah, well, yes. It was just the amount of detail and reporting that went into that is kind of insane. And just like how many crazy details that are in there, just like unbelievable behavior and how you get away with that for so long is troubling and upsetting. I don't know. I guess my two thoughts would be first that I don't know how you're Rob Manfred and you don't know this. Right. That's my first thought. Is that like when he stepped down in November, you know, he Rob Manfred's quote was like he made baseball more accessible and enjoyable to millions of fans. And like there was no acknowledgement of any of these things and the and no acknowledgement that the reason that he was stepping down was probably because of this and I think that's what the the Wall Street Journal article sort of implies or outright says. Right. And so that would be my first thought is just like, why talk glowingly about this guy? Why even go like put out a statement if you knew that this was the reason he was being pushed out? That's a weird move from Rob Manfred. And also not only a weird move, but a wrong move. Yeah. And well, it shows lack of leadership as someone who... All of these things are under your jurisdiction as MLB commissioner. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it seems pretty clear that he probably did know about this incident that happened in October where he like verbally abused a, a female coworker and and Manfred gave some really kind of coy answer about like, oh, I would say that incident was the culmination of a variety of issues that had gone on for a period of time. So clearly like he was aware of some culture and, yeah. and the, the other thing that the article points out is that Bud Selig definitely knew about this stuff and turned the other cheek. So like if there was any doubt in your mind that Bud Selig was not a good com- commissioner slash person, like I feel like this is kind of the, the period on that sentence. Yeah. And there was all that bit about like, he's being inducted into the hall of fame, like all in the midst of this, yep. right. Or like just got inducted into the hall of fame. My other thought is that like, like where you work should not be where you party, where you work should not encourage partying in this way. It's very clearly a toxic environment to encourage partying within the people that you work with. Cause there's already such poisonous power dynamics in the workplace that are being exploited by these men that are in power that when you, introduce partying it just allows them the opportunity to blur that line even further and i don't know if you read the new york times uh story about vice right and if you've been following any of those the two executives that stepped down but i think that's been a big problem there and we see that come up in this story here it's like it's not appropriate and it's not a, a safe place to be partying with the people that you work because clearly with the constant flow of news with this movement with the me too movement like these things go hand in hand and how commissioners of baseball could let that go on but selig and manfred both included yeah and it raises a lot of questions about a lot of these newer supposedly more progressive like media institutions that like pride themselves on being forward thinking. And I know MLB advanced media has broken a lot of boundaries in terms of how we share and consume media from baseball and vice. Similarly, 
um, has been placed on kind of the forefront of of some of these new media industries along with places like BuzzFeed and Vox. But even those sites are not clean from scandals such as these. So I think it requires a, a real examination of, like you said, that workplace culture because it's like, oh, well, it's a lot of young people and they're just trying to like have a good time while doing a lot of this good work. But like it, <laughs> like this stuff never ends well. And, and I also want to echo the point you said about Manfred. I mean, it's pretty shameful that he allowed uh, this guy to basically have a very clean step, step down. Like if the Wall Street Journal had not reported on this sort of thing, Bowman would have gotten a very nice goodbye from everyone for being on the cutting edge of this new media group. And it was really only this really good reporting by Rachel Bachman and Brian Costa that exposed some of these really troubling behavioral allegations and, and brought them to light. So I also want to say like, it wasn't just Bob Bowman and like him being one toxic person and being at the top of this workforce. Like there were so many steps where this could have been stopped, should have been stopped, should have been realized to the point where this was a very institutional thing with MLB advanced media. Like there's a, there's a two paragraph cutout in uh in the Deadspin article, which pulls from the wall street journal article that basically says during the week of the all, I guess I'll just read it because but during the week of the All-Star Game in July 2016, San Diego, MLB advanced media host a party at which women were allegedly hired to entertain attendees. According to two people who attended, these people said the women who arrived at the party by bus were widely believed by attendees to be escorts. Some of them were heard encouraging attendees to leave to have sex quickly so that they could return to solicit another attendee before the party was over, according to one person there. Manfred said he had no knowledge of the alleged escorts, but he felt MLB advanced media media's parties were inappropriate and after the one in 2016 he said he adopted a policy that mlb advanced media would not host any parties independent of the league office like that is institutional you don't you don't have a party plan a party have a bus of escorts show up and not have several people being like this is a good idea like that is it's not just bob bowman making a call and being like this is how we're gonna have a party like this is a completely toxic work environment in which all of the top level officials at that company should be cleared out and replaced yeah. with people who have better knowledge of situations like this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a real big case of a lot of people looking the other way when it comes to this sort of thing because of the, for the good of the company or whatever it is. And this is not exclusive to this one case. I think this is, you know, this is obviously very common just across the board in a lot of these cases. So, and I also want to say like MLB advanced media was extremely successful and like made the the technology and the way that they put their product out into the world made MLB so much money. And right, we can't exactly, ignore, yeah. we can't ignore the fact that that probably had a lot to do with the fact that this didn't come out earlier. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that it's exactly why. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, again, the root of a lot of these problems is that these companies are so you know, monetarily driven and so hungry to continue to make money in this like new media world. Yeah, definitely. And with that, it kind of ties into the Miguel Sano uh, revelations that have come to light. And it's, it raises these questions of what a team does in a situation like this and, and how you deal with some of the violence against women that I think is very strongly associated with a sport like football and usually just kind of gets brushed over in baseball when it's really a a really big issue. I mean, we've had some really high profile cases come out over the last few years of both domestic abuse and sexual abuse. I, I think that the Major League Baseball has not always really been the best at responding to these sorts of things, especially in terms of making sure that the victims get the support they need. And oftentimes it's just kind of framed as, okay, well, what happens to the player? Like how many games is he suspended for? Like, and then once he serves his time, like that's just kind of it. Right. And, 
And it's, it's really troubling because it is a lot more institutional than that. I mean, it's, it's a part of sports at a certain point and a lot of these power dynamics that are there between these athletes who are making a lot of money and are the very best at what they do. And in a lot of cases, uh, really wield a lot of power over, you know, women directly in their lives. I think a lot of the times what happens with these things, I mean, it happened with Aroldis Chapman. It happens in the NFL all the time. They reduce it into a labor issue, like it becomes an issue where the union has to deal with it. And then it has to be equal punishment distributed out to every single player, even though these situations are obviously you should take them one at a time. And I think that's very reductive for the victims in every case, because then it's like you're not coming out or, or if you choose to come out publicly against a professional athlete, that's already such a difficult thing to do. And then if you're faced with the entire force of the MLB union, MLB Players Association, the MLB union, that's insane. And then it's suddenly becoming a, a collective bargaining agreement issue where we're trying to see if the commissioner has too much power. And then we're not talking about the right things. I don't know enough about the situation and there hasn't really been enough reporting on like where this is going to go or like what the commissioner's office is thinking, but I would imagine that it will probably be resolved in a, in a similar way to the Chapman incident where it'll just be like 45 games or whatever. And then you come back or, or like the Familia incident. You know? Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times fans kind of want to see it left to the courts, right? They're like, well, this doesn't affect the on-field performance. Like it's something that happened in his personal life. And if like he's not convicted of anything or something like that, if he's not arrested, then why should this player be suspended, right? But it goes so much deeper than that because it really is on the MLB to address these sorts of things and make it very clear that uh, this, these sort of actions are not okay, which is, which is not to say that I think that there should be a zero tolerance policy for this sort of thing, because I think that that ultimately only hurts everyone. If you say, um, this Chapman, you fired a gun at your significant other or in the general direction while you're banned from baseball or you are out of the game for a year or something like that. I think all that does is discourages victims from coming forward in the future, right? Because yeah. they feel like it's all the only thing it's going to do is threaten their husband or boyfriend or whatever, their livelihood, right? And really, really puts every, everyone in a more vulnerable position. But I think that it requires a much stricter look at the root of the problem too, right? Which the MLB has not really addressed. Um, it, there was a Hardball Times piece by Jen McRamos from back in August, where she suggests some stuff in terms of like education, right? And the MLB is very forward in standing up to cancer, for example, right? And, you know, the what it would mean if they stood up to violence against women as well, right? That would be, I think, a really big step, if somewhat symbolic, in terms of saying, you know, we don't stand for this sort of thing. And we're going to go educate people at the lowest levels, right? Go to little leagues and talk to them about this sort of thing. Because at the end of the day, if all you're doing is saying, well, we, won't, we don't want you to do this, so we're going to suspend you for 45 games, and then our hands are clean, and we've done everything we have to do, and we've shown that it's not okay, that really doesn't <laughs> go very far in terms of actually addressing the core of the issue. Yeah, I think that's too easy, for lack of a better phrase. It's just like, that's too easy for MLB to just wipe their hands and walk away from it, especially since like this was a photographer for the Minnesota Twins. Right. So it was like sort of like a workplace type thing, whereas like a lot of those other things that we've brought up are domestic. And that's why people are saying, you know, this should be handled in the courts, innocent until proven guilty, that kind of thing. But like this was someone who was being paid by a team. And like this is a player who represents that team. So the power dynamic there is a little bit different. And, and I think therefore the MLB has a little bit more of a responsibility to do better to do more in terms of like you said education and if you're gonna want to stand up to cancer or like the nfl does like their breast cancer awareness month like let's also do things that provide women 
a better world to live in if once they stay alive from things like <laughs> breast cancer. Right, exactly. It, it seems like a lot of these causes almost ring hollow when it comes to these situations because the MOB is like, oh, well, we're going to have everyone wear pink on Mother's Day and do X, Y, and Z to show that we really do care about the women watching the sport, but it creates some really conflicting messages when they kind of refuse to address these issues head on and instead just say, well, we're going to react to it when it happens and tell and just, you know, deal with it on a case by case basis and, and tell this player, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. But as long as you have served your suspension, it's fine, right? We should see more proactive stuff in terms of education of major leaguers and minor leaguers and rehabilitation. Also accessibility to MLB jobs yeah. is another thing. Yeah, That's totally. a totally different issue that we could talk for like an hour about, but yeah. Yeah. So I am curious to see where this goes. I know that the MLB is investigating it. And, and I also don't know exactly what the photographer's relationship to the team was. I don't know if she was like a freelance photographer or if she was like an official team photographer. I think it's something that we should watch closely because a lot of times the it's something that we just forget about or is mostly just kind of leaves a bad taste in our mouth. But it's like, well, Rollis Chapman was doing really well in the playoffs or, or whatever it ends up being. So, yeah. He throws really hard. Miguel Sano hits really long home runs. Like those yeah. things yeah. are easier to talk about. I, it looks like, at least from the ESPN story um, by Jerry Krasnick, it seems as though she was like an event photographer. So not like an everyday photographer for the team, but like yeah. did things like autograph signings and like photograph events in like public places. So that's what it, it doesn't look like she was like every day with the team, but that it was just like a repeated incident at events and malls and things like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's worth keeping an eye on and also remembering going forward, just kind of how do we deal with this sort of thing? And I know that the MLB created a new type of policy with the most recent collective bargaining agreement back in like 2015. Um, or I guess one of the most recent ones. All right, let's move on. Um, so when we come back, we're going to do a little um, 2017 retrospective and things we're looking forward to in 2018. We are going to do our 2017-2018 transition segment. You know, the obligatory thing that every single podcast and baseball writer does. <laughs> of course. But we're going to put a little bit of a different spin on it. We're not just going to be like, here's what happened in 2017. The Astros won the World Series. And here's what we think is going to happen in 2018. The Astros will win the World Series. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. But yeah, so instead, we're just going to do more of a things teams and players want to leave behind in 2017 <laughs> um as opposed to the things that happened that were good we're yeah. going to talk about the things that happened that were bad and habits that teams and players want to kick yeah there was some memorable stuff and there was some pretty forgettable stuff i think so i'll just kick it off i think that aaron judge would like to leave behind striking away striking out on sliders low and away in 2018 <laughs> Uh, I think you're probably right about that because I don't think he was having too much fun when uh, when August rolled around. Yeah, when he was just striking out like 30 times in a series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so Aaron Judge obviously had a ridiculous season, 52 home really? runs. Every single one of them was towering and incredible. But he swung <laughs> he swung at 25% of the pitches that were thrown to him out of the strike zone. Yikes. So that's a lot, yeah. dude. If he could cut that number down to like the teens, he is looking at like an all-time type season. And no, there's no guarantee that like the ball, even the, that the ball is going to be exactly the same. And I, we're going to talk about that later. But there's no guarantee that like he will continue to have such a ridiculous batting average on balls in play but if he can cut that number down and 
just take that pitch low and away. I know that like during the Astros series, they just kept throwing it to him. And in the games that he was successful in the games that the Yankees won, he was able to just pause right at the last second and only just sort of lean into it and not make the full swing. So having watched a lot of Aaron judge this year um, and having watched him hit a lot of ridiculous home runs, I think if he can leave that behind, obviously he's going to go through slumps because he's such a power hitter and he's, three true outcomes embodied in a person and actually good <laughs> um, as opposed to Joey Gallo. <laughs> but I think if, if he ditches that habit, I think we're looking at a ridiculous season of him and Giancarlo Stanton back to back. Oh my God. That's going to be incredible. I kind of forgot that Giancarlo Stanton was even on the Yankees for a hot sec. Like that happened this off season too. Yeah. Because everyone was just talking about Otani. Anyway, what's your first thing? Uh, my first thing, and you might be able to relate to this, but I think that the Mets pitching staff and the team at whole just wants to leave all of 2017 behind. Their pitching staff, top to bottom, especially guys like Syndergaard and Harvey, I think they are very happy to see the calendar turn to 2018 because uh, it was a pretty forgettable year for them. Um, their top five, supposed top five in Syndergaard, DeGrom, Harvey, Mats, and Wheeler started combined 86 games last year. Not great. That's like barely half. Not a lot. I'm interested to see specifically Harvey because this is his last year of team control. And so it's kind of like you either got to show that you're who you were or you are just going to be like a fifth guy in the rotation starter for the rest of your career. Yep. Um, and I think Harvey wants to leave behind some incidents he had happened to him over the summer as well. He's probably maybe spending fewer nights out in 2018, you could argue, should be a resolution for him, um, <laughs> especially on uh, nights before games. I think, uh, yeah, I think he could he could use a few more nights in. Fair. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that resolution. I That will couple well a little later with one of my hopes for 2018. But yes, <laughs> yes, we'll we'll see if that actually happens. Um, it's, I find it sort of hard to believe. But, you know, there's always the possibility that 2015 could happen again. Yeah, we'll see. I do want to see him bounce back. God, without DeGrom, they averaged 14 starts. Good God, man. I want to see Cindergard back again. That's more than I would have guessed. <laughs> okay, my second thing. Yes. I guess we are calling them resolutions because I guess that's sort of what they are. <laughs> Leaving things <laughs> behind in the new year. <laughs> we successfully defined resolutions without saying it until you just said that last thing. <laughs> um, I think that the Braves want to leave behind cheating in the front office. You could make the argument that that set their organization and their rebuild back a little bit. I mean, they're still in a, a decent place. They didn't lose uh Ronald Acuna or uh, any of their super top prospects and they didn't really lose anyone at the major league level um but they did lose lose Kevin Maiton um to the Angels and he sort of helped there he helped the Angels win the offseason if you want to say that so I think getting rid of John Capalella and saying you're gonna stay in the distant past in 2017 and we're gonna delete all of the Facebook all of the photos on our Facebook of you <laughs> and everything and Instagram and everything we're gonna block you on Twitter and we're going to leave you behind in 2017. And in 2018, we're going to follow all the international signing bonus rules to a T. And we're going to be the picture of excellence when it comes to that. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to be under much more scrutiny going forward. God, this hurts, man. This hurts for them. And I think it's important to point out that like most teams break the rules at some point or another. The Braves just got caught. So at the very least, who's their new GM now? Is it Alex and... He was the Blue Jays. Anthopolis. Anthopolis, yeah. The Blue Jays' former GM. Um, they will probably tell him, hey, if you're doing anything sus, just keep it on the down low. Like, I really, don't think they'll tell him that. <laughs> really under the radar this time. Yeah, that was kind of the, the black mark on there, 2017. So I mean, I'm sure you know, they're happy to, to move past that. You know teams do this stuff all the time. Like All the time. They should just be able to pay international players more money. And then this wouldn't happen as often, but that's another failure by MLB at large. I'm not yeah. condoning. I mean, I don't, I'm not condoning what Cavalella did just because he probably screwed. He did the whole thing where you like package two players together and give one like all the money and give another one like 
$100,000 and then say like we averaged 3 million for these two players, you know, and it makes it look like it was all hunky dory, but it really wasn't. I I don't condone that because the player who's getting way less money in that kind of gets screwed and it looks like he's not getting screwed, but I think they should just be able to pay players what you can pay American players just because MLB is such an international game now. It's like especially with South and Central America, like clubs operate down there in terrible ways, just like Fernando was saying in those couple episodes. And I think, you know, making the rules a little more lenient would allow them to. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that's not even to mention just how exploitative all those practices are. The fact that you're signing like 16 year olds to a maximum, like a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is. It's uh, it's pretty wild. So yeah. Yeah, I think they're excited to move past that. I would say so. All right, who do you have next? My uh, my other proposed resolution, something that someone wants to leave behind. This is a very player-specific, but I think Miguel Cabrera probably is resolving not to see his career turn into Albert Pujols's. Um, yes. I think he wants to leave all of 2017 behind because it was a... Uh, it was certainly one to forget. God, two forty nine with sixteen home runs, and he was injured for part of the year. That's uh, not great. This yeah, is it's a tough year first... for someone who was like the best player in the league for three years. This is the first time in his entire career that he hasn't gotten votes for some award or another. Going back to his age twenty season, where he got votes for rookie of the year, and even came in twenty seventh for MVP. And, not bad. you know, he has he has 11 all-star appearances under his belt and, you know, a pair of MB, MVPs and a triple crown. So um, you could say he's been a pretty good player and will probably go to the Hall of Fame. But, oh, man, I just I really just hope his decline is not <laughs> what we've seen from our our angels first baseman. Yeah, I haven't looked into it enough to see if there's a ton of precedent for having this bad of a year that he had last year and then like bouncing back from it and being some imitation of what he was earlier in his career. But it is sort of sad to see him just not be able to do the one thing that we could pretty much reliably count on watching in a highlight every single night on SportsCenter like growing up, which was just get up there with that beautiful right-handed swing and just mash and then yeah. just slowly trot around the bases. Dude never really uh, ran it out very hard, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I was saying this to you before we came on, but like remember when he got a triple crown and we still weren't even sure if he was gonna be MVP? I mean I guess yeah. it says more about Mike Trout than it does anything else. But remember when he won a triple crown? What? I do remember when he did that. I can't even imagine someone doing that now, just because there's such like there's such precedent placed on home runs or contact like one or the other you know what i mean and so it's hard to imagine uh, the triple crown is sort of an arbitrary thing but like it's because especially since we don't really care too much about rbis here <laughs> but like yes rock cabrera is incredible also seems like a fun guy oh seems like he loves the game always yeah. got a smile on his face and it seems like a good hang really those are my favorite players I will never but, uh, forget when he got the game-winning base hit on what was supposed to be an intentional walk. <laughs> All-time great. Yes, icon. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, so he's he has to be DHing for them, right? Um, probably at this point, although I think with Victor Martinez there, at least now, I, don't, I think he's still on the team. I think um, he's probably playing been first. playing a lot of first base. Okay, he's probably not great there either. But uh, yep, uh, I would guess not. He's uh, he's certainly toiling away in Detroit, and I don't know. I guess his other resolution is maybe not to be on the Tigers for very much longer. But, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's like, trade me to the Astros, please. <laughs> but I guess that goes hand in hand with him actually being worth anything. So can't you see? Okay, I can see him being traded to the Astros for like not very much and being 2018's Carlos Beltran and just retiring his glove and, <laughs> <laughs> and giving interviews to A-Rod in the postseason. All of that all of that fun stuff that Carlos Beltran did. And it could be fun. And he might not retire after this year. He probably has a couple of years left on his mega contract. But Oh, I was going to say, the problem is he's owed 
30 million a year for the next eight years. What? He's going to be paid $30 million a year until he's 42. What? That can't be real. Uh, they're both, they're two vesting options. Okay. So I guess it's, I guess it's until it's for the next six years. Sorry. It has to be one of those, like they can pay all the money up front and not be paying $30 million eight years from now. Yeah, probably. But okay. so the question is, do you want to pay him, you know, 150 million right now and just get rid of it? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I'm not the Yankees. Yeah. He was worth negative point eight. Negative 0.8 war in 2017, but he did have 469 at bats, 92 OPS plus. That's not like catastrophic. He's 151 OPS plus for his career. Good God, Are you kidding me? That's so good. <laughs> We're going to transition things as fans. So at the end of 2018, here are the things as fans of both the Mets and the A's and then just MLB at large. We want to say at the end of 27 or at the end of 2018, we can come away with this year and be like, this was a good year because X happened. So for me as a Mets fan, I want to come away after 2018 is over. And I want to say I watched Noah Syndergaard, Jacob deGrom, Matt Harvey, Stephen Metz, and Zach Wheeler <laughs> all start games consecutively. Just one time. It only has to happen one time. It could be the first yeah. five games of the season. I don't give a shit. I just want to say that it happened once. <laughs> I can like he- hear the palpable pain in your voice. Yes. I've never been able to have this. Like I've never. It's always been Harvey thoracic outlet syndrome. Zach Wheeler three year recovery from Tommy John. Syndergaard uh, torn lat. Degrom ulnar nerve, which is super scary. All this, all these different things that have made being a Mets fan terrible and also kind of rewarding for the last few years because they're amazing. But I just want to see them all start five games consecutively. That's it, just once. Then I can come away with 2018 being like, you know what? Two years ago, when I was like, listen, this could be the best pitching rotation ever. I will feel stupid, but also at least I had some vindication. Yes, exactly. Well, and their entire future pretty much rests on this, right? If they want to compete at all in the next, you know, three to four years, it is absolutely contingent on them being healthy because without their pitching staff, I don't know, your number one is Robert Gesellman? Yeah. I do think I'm not entirely sure that Wheeler will even make the rotation. So I don't know that this is really going to happen. We'll see. I think there's a good chance that 2018 is the year that Zach Wheeler goes to the bullpen for good. Uh, I feel like that's probably for the best. Yeah. Just tell him not to try to throw harder. He already throws hard enough. He just can't find the strike zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My, yeah, favorite I moments, feel- my favorite moments are when this just turns into me just pleading to Mets management to just do one thing. Just do this one thing, <laughs> please. Just everyone's asking for it. Just do this one thing. You know, everyone who is listening to this podcast, tweet it at Sandy. Or, or email it to, to him, and maybe yeah. I'll hear. Yeah. Maybe this is what he needed. He seems like he's probably golfing with Trump right now. Yep, probably. Okay. Uh, all right, as an A's fan, lay it on me. As an A's fan, the, the easy answer is to say I want to see their young core get better, and I think that that will happen, and I do want to see that, but... The, the biggest thing that I want to come away with at the end of the 2018 season is I want us to have plans for a new ballpark that actually exist, that are actually in Oakland. And that's really like <laughs> I, all I can say about that is I really want a new ballpark. You don't like the Coliseum? It's, you know, honestly, it's like fine. If I'm being very real, it's kind of endearing at this point. It's like, it's our dump. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that like that's really what's needed at this point. And I know it's what A's management wants. I know it's what A's fans want. And they have a plot of land to do it right where the stadium is located right now. So 
I would love to see some forward progress on that after the Laney College plans fell through. And I think it sounds like the Coliseum site might be what they're leaning towards right now. And, you know, and that's obviously something that we've talked a lot about on this podcast, and I'm sure we will continue to talk about. But this is my my longing. This is I want this to be my belated Christmas gift from the A's. That's fair. Okay, can I just say one more thing? I want the Mets to stop jerking around Michael Conforto in 2018. That's my other <laughs> hope that at the end of the year I can say, Michael Conforto went into weeks knowing where he was going to bat or where, what uniform he was even going to put on. Well, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes, that is the other thing that I want. And they, they kind of did that in 2017 in like the second half because he was so far and away their best player once Syndergaard went down. That like, And I guess you could count DeGrom in there too. But I just want them to be like, yes, this is our future. We are going to let him be that. That is what I want. Well, you know what the first sign of hope for that is, is that their manager is not named Terry Collins anymore. That is true. I feel like I feel like my boy Mickey will truly understand <laughs> my boy Mikey. <laughs> yeah. Yo, they, they're both MCs, so yes. uh, they're already connected on that level. Also, Mickey seems like he could throw down in a good frat party, and you know, Michael Conforto, totally I've been saying for years, frat superstar, Michael Conforto. Oh, he honestly is, though. Are you kidding? He partied it up at Oregon State. I, you, I guess you really, first and foremost, you need a healthy season from him for any of this to happen. That's basically, I think you could apply that to most Mets players, is I want him to stay healthy this year. Yep. They're good when they're healthy. They're yeah, solid. They team. are. They are definitely going to make the wild card if everyone stays healthy. Uh, yeah. At least. Arguably. Well, the Marlins certainly aren't going to make a run for it. Yes, and I don't think the Braves are ready. And who the hell knows what's going on with the Phillies. So, (laughs) Honestly, they don't even know. All right, but expanding to uh, the rest of the league, what are some things that you would like to come away with from this year, just across baseball? I want pitch clocks, and I want batters to actually have to stay in the box. I want umpires to enforce that rule because it's getting ridiculous. The fact that like for one year they enforced the rule and guess what? It cut time off the game and then they just stopped for no apparent reason. Because if players could put up for it one year, they can put up for it for the rest of time. Just stay in the box. Not that hard. We're not asking a lot of you. Swing every 30 seconds instead of every 55 seconds. Uh, Yeah, it feels like it's pretty simple. It's like a pretty simple rule to implement. And it's pretty baffling that they haven't done that yet. And what could be a, a further penalty? I mean, you can't find people for stepping out of the box. That's insane. What, like, can you get a warning? And then if you do it again, it's like a strike, like an yeah, extra strike. That seems hokey. I don't know what, can you like get ejected for it? If you get one warning, you get a second warning, a strenuous warning. And then the third time <laughs> they just eject you. The, the umpire is just like, goodbye. They, I'm could, they, could, they could fine you by uh, per second that you're out. So it's like for every second that you're out of the box, that's a thousand bucks you just got docked. That's a lot. I was I was gonna say a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you wanna you wanna make it last? That would get them to stay in the box. You know that. Yeah, that's true enough. Are you Listen, you start I'm, affecting their money that they're getting. I'm down for that. I'm down for the ejection thing. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, let's just bring Derek Jeter back and put him in 2018. He steps out of the box for like five seconds, and the umpire just ejects him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Lord help that umpire if it was in the Bronx. I would love to see that, you know. Well, uh, this is not my my thing that I want to see, but I would really like to see some replay clocks, too. Even though it's not going to happen, like, that just bugs me so much. Yeah, that felt like low-hanging fruit for me. I've yelled about that so many times. We have have yelled about that a lot. (laughs) Okay, what's yours? I would like to see a resolution on the juiced ball. I would like a definitive answer. At the end of 2018, I want to be able to say, yes, the ball was juiced. At the very least, I think that we will start to see whether or not this year was some sort of fluke or if there's a this is a very real trend of home runs going up. If it does have to do with the ball, if it has to do with just adjustments that everyone is making, I don't know. But I think that we will start to see a clearer picture of what this means for the future of the game and what MLB, if anything, is going to do about that. Yeah, that's fair. That would be useful as fans so that every time the old baseball writers who don't write about baseball anymore tune in when the playoffs roll around 
and they get on Twitter and they're like, this is stupid. This isn't the baseball I grew up watching. This isn't how we played. <laughs> this is home runs. What's fun about this? I don't want to hear that anymore. I just want to have an answer. Uh, yep, absolutely. And, you know, let's let's be real. Like, we all know as fans, like, the ball is juiced. We know. Yes. But I want to see Rob Manfred get out there in front of a podium and be like, ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you that the ball has been juiced. Like, I want to hear it from his mouth. I don't think he's going to say the ball has been juiced. I don't think the word <laughs> juiced is going to come out of his mouth. <laughs> doesn't seem no, like the juiced dream. Uh, all right, here's my last thing. I want a more concrete plan for expansion. We got that story last year, um, like a few months back, about how baseball was thinking of expanding into a couple more markets. And you and I thought it'd be fun to just kind of pick places for baseball to go i want to know at the end of 2018 like i want to have a good idea baseball's raking in all this local cash and if they're going to expand into other markets i want to spend all of next christmas season all of the hot stove season next year not only talking about the ridiculous free agents that are coming up but talking about what players on teams are going to get drafted in expansion draft that would be really fun to me um and it would be a nice follow-up weird saga to the Otani stuff from this year, I think. Yeah, definitely. I would love to see a, a baseball team in Portland and a baseball team in Montreal. And I don't know, we, we've we already talked about our, our dream uh, expansion cities, but I think that that would be fun. If only because it also provides a little more security for the A's because it means there are fewer places for them to move where there is a need for a new baseball team. Yeah. So... It's yeah. a bit self-serving, but don't I definitely move the A's. don't move the A's. That'd be so messed up. That'd be so it'd be, stupid. It'd be awful. Don't make yeah. the same mistakes that you've already made. You moved a team from Montreal when you shouldn't have done it. Don't yeah. do it again with the A's. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I'm certainly in agreement with that. But yeah, I, the expansion stuff's exciting to me. And Montreal obviously deserves a team back. So yeah, I want to see some more about that. Even if it, I guess we probably won't necessarily hear some stuff directly from mlb about it i think it's probably a little too preliminary but i don't know some more speculation about it maybe some leaks yeah i like leaks leaks are good yeah leaks are good all right do you have one final thing for 2018 yeah i have one final thing and it's less what i want to come away with but more i think being excited for where we will be like 10 or 11 months from now and that is just kind of seeing how the power balance will shift in baseball when like half of the game's best players go to free agency. And we learn that Bryce Harper is going to be a Yankee and Manny Machado is going to be a White Sox and Clayton or Kershaw is going to opt out. And then, yeah, or a Yankee. Clayton Kershaw will be a free agent and then just make more money and go back to the Dodgers. Josh Donaldson will be... Back to the A's, back to the A's, back to the A's. Yeah, back to the A's. All right, except we have a third baseman, so. DH. Uh, Yeah, DH. Put it back a catcher. Why not? Uh, Yeah, well, okay, when we get robot umpires, it won't matter who catches. He just needs to be able to throw. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, next free agents, I know that we're going to rehash this a million times over the next year, but it's stacked, dude. Yeah, it's ridiculous. McCutcheon, Keichel. Along those same lines, I want to come away saying I did. I was not able to predict every single team that every single player landed on. Like, I don't want to just say Bryce Harper, Yankee, Manny Machado, yeah. Yankee, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Dodger. I hope something at least surprises us. Yeah, seriously. Oh, my God. Well, I'm on the edge of my seat for where Daniel Descalso is going to end up. I mean, that feels like the, that feels like the really big domino that's going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we had a lot to catch up on. There was, you know, some news, a big piece of news in the middle there, and then obviously some retrospective and uh, prediction type stuff. But I feel like we got that all out of the way, and we'll be back on a semi-regular schedule over the next few weeks. So, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a little weird because we will. Uh, I know that I'll be doing a little bit of traveling, and we'll still we're still on separate coasts, yes. which will make things a little bit harder to do. Exactly. Um, but we'll certainly be back within the next couple weeks. I think. I think we'll we'll be back before the Mariners make the playoffs. Certainly. Yes. Thanks. Thanks to everyone and anyone who listened to our best of 2017. It was a lot of fun to put that all into one episode. And um, yeah, if you missed the last couple episodes, don't forget to go back and check out the interview with Fernando Perez. It was one of our favorite things that we've done so far. So don't miss out on that. Yeah, we hope we hope that you enjoy the next couple things that we do. Yeah, and if you have any suggestions for us or listener questions even, honestly, if you have any stuff you want to ask us, please, like, by all means, we will answer it. Um, <laughs> like, it's not like we have anything better to talk about anyway. Yes, we're um, always fiending for topics. So tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. You can hit us up there. You can DM us. Yeah, you can find us really anywhere. Yes, we are tied to Twitter like you would not believe. Yeah. And please rate and review us if you actually enjoy this podcast. We got another review on iTunes from someone who's not a family member. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, we did? No. Yeah, we got another five-star review. I went to go check that the other day, and the I, the Apple store was down. The iTunes the podcast <laughs> thing was down, because it always is, and it's the worst app ever made, but whatever. I still well, use it. if you were that stranger who reviewed us five stars, thank you. We really appreciate that. Yeah, you're our favorite person. Until someone else reviews us with five stars. Okay, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll be back in a bit. All right, bye all. Daryl Strawberry on Sex Edition. Um, Addiction. Addiction. (laughs) You got to start from the beginning, because you said sex, sex edition. (laughs) 